Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the CAC Show. I am Fringezilla, and I am back for what is the final episode, the final edition of the CAC Show on Blog Talk Radio. Starting next week, we will be with the Offshoots Network. You can still check us out on Facebook. We will be on Podbean. We will be on Stitcher, on iTunes, and a whole bunch of other lovely stuff. But at this moment right now, I would like to welcome one of my friends, and that is Todd from Basement Fodder. You can check him out on their podcast. You can also check him out on Facebook. And let's bring him on now. How you doing, my friend? Hey, I'm good. Thanks for having me on the show. <laughs> That's our famous soundbite that is supposed to be claps, but for some reason sounds like, you know, barbecue chicken for some reason cooking. <laughs> yeah. One of the one of the many joys of uh, being on Blog Talk for almost two years. But uh, as I said, we're going to be moving on. We're going to a new network. It's an exciting time. So I'm very excited to have you on because this is going to be our last edition, and I really, really want to do something that I've been wanting to do for the last few shows, and that's talk about WrestleMania. And, of course, who better to talk about WrestleMania with than the pod, the podcaster friends of mine, of course, from Basement Fodder. I'm happy to do it. WrestleMania coming up on Sunday, and uh, it's an interesting lineup, to say the least. <laughs> well, talk about that a little bit because I know that if you're anything like me, you're really looking at this card. And you're confused. You're saying to yourself, every single match on this card, every single WrestleMania match they put together is something that could have done, been done on any other pay-per-view and just doesn't seem like it's WrestleMania quality. I mean, is it just me and, and you know, a, a vocal group of other people, or is that the perception that they've put out there? No, it's absolutely a very lackluster mania. I can't really remember the last time a mania was this sort of blah, maybe uh... – uh, WrestleMania 13, maybe the last one I could think of that was really just this sort of uh, nothing show. The only match I'm really, really looking forward to is the Intercontinental Ladder match, pretty much. Well, okay, well, you bring up a good point, because you're, you're mentioning shows that really didn't fit the bill, WrestleMania 13 being one of them. I think another one that really didn't fit the bill was WrestleMania 2000, and another one that I think, and I still consider it to be the worst WrestleMania in history, was WrestleMania 9. Mm-hmm. WrestleMania now, 9 you remember, the Las Vegas outdoor one yes that's the one where they saved Hogan uh, <laughs> didn't win uh-huh. the title uh, the tag team titles like they had been wanting to do forever with him and then instead they gave him the title in like a last minute Vince McMahon I'm going to save the day and, and totally give the fans what they want even though the fans did not want Hogan as champion again uh, just one of those things where the whole card if you look at it with lackluster from top to bottom. And, and the main match that headlined that uh, mediocrity, in my opinion, was the Undertaker versus Giant Gonzalez, which is still to this day, I think, one of the worst matches they've ever had in WrestleMania history. Not only one of the worst matches, but El Gigante or Giant G- Gonzalez, one of the worst workers of all time. Absolutely terrible. I mean, I watched him in WCW long before that happened, and just absolutely... And, awful worker could he couldn't be you know taken through a match with two hands and a flashlight it's terrible 
And he couldn't sell either. He couldn't sell any kind of a move that somebody was given to him to save his life. And it's funny that we're, we're talking about that because there was a guy back in WCW that was, I believe, an enhancement talent, which, of course, for those of you that don't understand what that phrase means, it basically means that they were the guys that lose all the time to make the big-name guys you know, make more money, make them look good, uh, give them an avenue to show what they can do or how they're progressing. And this one guy is, was in a match with the Skyscrapers, who at the time were managed by Teddy Long. Yeah, Teddy Long, Theodore Long. And it was Sid Vicious and Danny Spivey. They get into the ring together, and it's supposed to be a squash match. It's clear. These two giant guys are going to beat the hell out of these two littler guys, and that's going to be it, right? No. There's one guy who, for whatever reason, refuses to sell any of the moves he's given. He's kicked in the face. He's power slammed. He's double choke slammed. He's thrown to the outside. Even when the guy's getting pinned, he's kicking out when he's not supposed to be pinned. Or, I mean, when he's not supposed to kick out, he's supposed to be pinned. And it's supposed to be the end of the match. So then, after he's pinned, he rolls out of the ring and just stands up like he's still ready to fight, which pisses Sid and Danny off even more, who then go to the outside, and then you can tell. They're literally beating the hell out of this guy. It's not a joke anymore to them. They're beating this guy because they just look like fools on national television on TBS. Oh, that's fantastic. I would never do this to Sid Vicious. He's insane. <laughs> well, I, I've never heard the interview, mind you, but I've been told he's been interviewed about that exact same match. And they, let's just say that that guy, that uh, talent, did not leave that arena in the shape that he got there in. Let's just say that. And Sid, of God. course, got the, yeah, of course, the Psycho Sid name, uh, that's one of the places that it came from, that whole, you know, this guy is nuts mentality. It all came from the fact that, you know, he just did not like looking like a fool. And he even had issues with Lex Luger when they had matches. And I've read about this before where Lex Luger said he hit Sid and he hit Sid a little harder than he was supposed to. So Sid starts smacking him like really hard in the ring, like for real. And he's like, dude, what are you doing? We're in the middle of a match. He's one of those guys who's so damn thick-headed that he doesn't stop to think about the fact that it's a show. It doesn't matter if you win or lose. It's wrestling. Yeah, I suppose Sid got, uh, eventually got his uh, payback on that one for having the worst uh, bone break in probably the history of wrestling on live television. Oh, I would say it rivals what happened with Spider Silva. Oh, it's it's absolutely terrible. Because, I mean, you know, the, the thing with Silva was, and people forget this, after he broke his leg on that kick, he backed up and tried to stand on that leg. And all that did was cut into his meat and his tendons and his veins and stuff in his leg because the bone had, had been completely severed. And it was the same oh, yeah. thing with Sid. When, he came, when Sid came down, it was the same thing, that impact. And then there was nothing to stand on. And, you, and watching him collapse, I think, to me, was the most painful part. Oh, it was absolutely terrifying. I, I've never seen a bone break that severe. And then, like, of course, the camera gets the close-up of the piece of bone sticking out of his boot. Oh, yeah, that was oh, so foul. So, like, I, I can still go back and watch that match, and it doesn't bother me as much as it did back then. But I remember watching it with my wife and saying to her, this is probably the end of Sid for a few years. I would be very shocked if he would be back in a year or so. And I think he took almost three years off until he was completely rehabbed and got back going again. Yeah, I think he didn't do actually do any full matches for over three years after that, yeah. Well, you know, we, we talked about the Intercontinental title match. We didn't really talk a lot about it. Who's your prediction for the winner of that match? 
You know, that's a tough one. I think that they're trying to re-legitimize the secondary belts. So I think the smartest move is probably to put it on Daniel Bryan, especially since they've been doing this absentee world champion stuff with Brock. Now, I don't know if they're going to take the belt off of Brock and put it on to Roman Reigns, which I assume they probably will. But if they want to legitimize these secondary titles, they're very likely going to put it on Daniel Bryan and then put uh, Led Cena go over in the U.S. match and take that belt. You know, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think you you hit it right on the head. I, I think everything you just said is not just plausible, but I think it's probably going to come to pass. And the thing is, with Brock staying, there's really no reason for him to win at WrestleMania. Him losing does nothing but elevate him because by losing the belt, it opens up, geez, 20, 30 different options for him to wrestle, not for the belt, but to wrestle almost to defend his honor for losing the belt. Because anybody could just walk up, even the Miz, could walk up and be like, oh, you're nothing anymore because you lost the belt. And instantly you have a new rivalry that doesn't involve him hawking up the title scene anymore. Yeah, absolutely. I, my personal choice for what I would like to see happen is I would like to see Roman Reigns go heel and go with Paul Heyman. You know, I, I have to say, as much as I, I, I'm enticed by that, I still don't think it's going to happen because I feel like, if anything, it's going to be a Seth Rollins cash-in which I think would be a great way to end the WrestleMania because we've never had a cash-in at WrestleMania, and what better time to do it when people are expecting it but don't know if it's going to happen. Yeah, I can definitely see them doing that. The only problem is that I think that that damages Reigns, and I think that they are really trying to put things behind Reigns right now. If you if you let Reigns beat Brock and then have Seth immediately cash in and take the belt, I think it devalues Reigns, even though he just you know beat Lesnar. He still isn't walking out with the belt. But devaluing Reigns, do you think that's even really an issue anymore, considering the fact that ever since right before the Royal Rumble, pretty much everybody has turned on him except for like a small uh, you know, group of fans that are still loyal. When you, when you listen to his interviews, he's booed constantly. You, you, can, you can't help but hear the boos, even though WWE tries to edit them out. And he's got a, a huge backlash because so many people wanted Daniel Bryan to be in the main event. Now that that's not happening, I haven't heard or seen that stigma leave him yet. It seems like it's still there. And that being said, I think that if they do let him win the belt and, and Seth Rollins cashes in, then the next night you could do a rematch or you could build to the, uh, to the next pay-per-view coming up because you would still have Rollins against Reigns. And at the same time, you know, yeah, Reigns won't have the belt. It might devalue him a little bit, but he's already been devalued, I think, a little bit too much. So with Reigns losing, you could still have him turn heel and then have Rollins turn good, which I think is overdue because as good as a heel as he's been, I think his heel run has already run its course. There's not much left for him to do in my opinion. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. The thing about Reigns is, unfortunately, they he's been pushed far beyond the amount that he's over and that seems to be a thing that they they love to do with their special guys. I mean, they've done it for years with Cena and they're they're doing it with Reigns, too, and they're absolutely ignoring the fact that Daniel Bryan is probably the most over guy in the company right now. And instead of being in the, you know, championship match, he's fighting for the secondary belt in a multiple-man ladder match, which is unfortunate. But the thing is, if they put that belt on him, it's going gonna, it's gonna to up the status of the belt, but then ultimately it's still a secondary title in when he should have been in the World Heavyweight Championship match. Exactly. And, of course, you know, even Bret Hart, before he – you know, came to terms with Vince McMahon and they solved their issues, he flat out said Vince McMahon did not want the little guys to get anywhere. And he really had no choice 
but to start elevating guys like him, guys like Shawn Michaels, guys like Razor Ramon that were good workers that put on great shows and were still good entertainers because he wasn't left with an option. The Hogans and all the old bastards that couldn't wrestle anymore or couldn't hang like they needed to anymore were gone. So he really didn't have a choice, and it's kind of the same thing now where he really doesn't have a choice, but he's still going against the grain anyway. So that being said, do you think that any of these matches for this card are going to be something that surprises us, or is it going to be exactly what we've been talking about, just another lackluster mania? Well, like I said, I think that the, the Intercontinental match is going to be great. Um, you know, I, I hate to say this as much as I'm not a John Cena fan, but I do think that Cena and Rusev will at least be a, a harsh and interesting match. And if anybody could get Reigns through a brutal-looking, hardcore kind of sort of match, Brock is definitely going to be that guy. What The, the match that probably intrigues me to see as far as work rate is, is Triple H versus Sting. I'm wondering, really what Sting has left in the tank. I mean, I did watch him in TNA, and he did have some really good matches during his run there. But I'm wondering if this is going to be another Triple H burial or if this is going to be something where he really puts the guy over. Yeah, it's it's a toss-up. I I really don't know what to think, and that's the problem. I've been – so many people have asked me, who's going to win this match? Who's going to win that match? Who's going to win this match? Who's going to win that match? It it really doesn't matter to me because I'm already not going into it with great expectations. So if I go into it and it's a lousy show, I don't feel like I'm going to miss out on anything because it's basically free on the network and it's WrestleMania, which I love WrestleMania. And even if it's lackluster, it can't be any worse than WrestleMania nine. At least I hope to God that it's not. And that being said, I think that at least if we see a Daniel Bryan or a Ziggler win, or some of these guys that deserve, you know, to, to move forward and break that glass ceiling, if some of them at least get some kind of success, it'll make me happy because I'm just tired of this, you know, oh, last year we're going we're gonna to put Batista and Randy Orton in the main event. Everybody that worked in the company said that was a terrible idea, and yet they still booked it anyway until they had no choice because of all the Daniel Bryan fans that were threatening to leave, not only the network, but just stop watching wrestling in general. The only other thing that I wanted to mention for sure is that I feel like this Undertaker-Bray Wyatt match is a lose-lose situation no matter what. Because you're putting Bray Wyatt into this match, and he has no heat on him whatsoever. If he beats The Undertaker, it really means nothing because he's beating a guy who's already been beaten. And again, if he you know loses to The Undertaker, then it's even worse because he's losing to a guy who just got beat by Lesnar at last year's Mania and who's also in his middle 40s. So it really, to me, for Wyatt, is a lose-lose situation. What do you think about that? Well, and he's going away, too. It's, it's, it's something that CM Punk said so succinctly but so perfectly in that podcast he did was that, you know, he lost to uh, The Rock. The Rock went away. Then they wanted him to lose to, you know, The Undertaker. The Undertaker went away. Then they wanted him to lose to Lesnar, and then Lesnar went away. And now here you go. It's the same situation again now with Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt's going to face The Undertaker regardless if he wins or loses. Undertaker's going to go. He's not going to be there at at Raw or at SmackDown. There's not going to be a continuation of a feud. It's a one and done. So why do it in the first place then? Especially since you ended the streak last year, why even have Undertaker there? If he wins, it's it's almost like a hollow victory because all it is 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 kind of like revenge for losing last year, but it's not Brock. If he was going to face anybody this year, it should have been a rematch with Brock so that he could get that win over Brock, which he still does not have in his career. It's a win over Brock. Yeah, I honestly think that the Brock match last year was a mistake. I said this at the time, and I, I still believe that, that giving the the one 
loss that the Undertaker had at Mania to Brock Lesnar really it meant nothing to me because obviously the way that they pushed Brock like Paul Heyman cutting promos about it was fantastic but really Brock didn't need this to be over Brock was already over and if they wanted to give this to somebody it should have been somebody who could have made a career on it and at the time I think that if they were going to put Bray Wyatt against the Undertaker it should have been last year when he still had heat on him and when the Wyatt family was still you know relevant yeah, because getting that win over Taker could have made Bray's career for the next decade. Exactly. But, you know, I mean, you could say that about just about any wrestler. I mean, I would have rather seen Reigns. I would have rather seen a hot dog vendor in the streak than Lesnar. Especially the way it was done. I mean, it's not as if it were a bad match, but it was just... There was nothing spectacular about it. I mean, the Undertaker's had some pretty spectacular matches in the last... 10 years at Mania, and then to have him go in there and have that sort of match with Brock that really just kind of ended on a dull note, it really didn't do any favors to anyone. No, absolutely not. And actually, you know, speaking of not doing favors for anyone, uh, I've got our our guest on the line right now, and I've I've kept him on hold for a few minutes, so I'm going to bring him on now. Ladies and gentlemen, will you please welcome back to the show for the first time in many, many months, the CEO of the Diamond Cartel, and that would be, of course, none other than Scott Diamond. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. Good evening. Very, very interesting. Thank you. Very interesting topic tonight. Um, And, you know, with with what I've been listening to here on the show tonight, I really have to agree uh, on several points. You know, what does Sting have in the tank, you know, with the Triple H match? Um, that is a big question. And, and, you know, I think that, too, will be a match to watch. Um, the Rusev-John Cena deal, another match to watch, because I think really these two matches will be the matches to watch this year. Undertaker, um, as you guys were saying, that's that's water under the bridge, and I agree with you guys. When they broke the streak last year, they could have picked somebody so much better to do it. Why they did it anyway, I don't know, because not only was it good for wrestling, it was good for wrestling fans, and that's what this business is based on, what's good for the fans, not not what's good for one of the wrestlers or something that maybe will uh, stick a feather in the cap of a company. Well, now... For those of you that don't know, uh, Scott Diamond and me have a a long history dating back to last year. Uh, It's not a positive history. Fortunately, uh, there's been no animosity between us recently, and I'm happy for that because I don't like having animosity between anybody. Uh, But I will say this. Scott Diamond knows what he's talking about. The man has been in in the industry for a long time. He's been around some of the biggest names that you could ever want to talk to or ever even want to meet, let alone get in the ring and work with these guys. So if there's anybody that, you know, knows what he's talking about and has credibility when it comes to these matters and the potential to to please the fans and give them what they paid their money's worth, it's Scott Diamond. Well, thank you, friend Zilla. And, you know, right off the bat, um, you're right. We've we've had issues between us for over a year now, and I I would like to go right on board uh, to to you and to all your listeners. You know, I'm not one for apologies, so I'm not going to do that. But what I will say is, you know, here's a guy who is a radio DJ who is an author. 
but he stepped into the world, Scott Diamond's world. He came out. He got up into the ring with some big guys, and I don't know how many of you folks know Franzella, but he's not a great big guy. But he has the heart of a lion because he got up into the ring with these great big guys, took a massive beating. You know, we, we caused him a concussion, sent him to the hospital for a few days, which, again, if, if you guys have not went through that, that's not an easy thing to go through. But here's a guy that stepped out of his element, was brave enough to jump into another adventure into the world of professional wrestling, took it like a man, stood up after the the smoke had cleared, and uh, you know what? He said, yeah, you know what? I I got a concussion. I went to the hospital, but I stood up for what I believe in. And for that, and also for having the opportunity to meet his family, he is a great family man. So for those two things, I want to give you your just respects there, your due, Friendzilla. You know, we don't agree on everything, but I got to say, you know what, uh, you're a guy who sticks up for what you believe in, um, and you're a great family man, and so for that, you've got my respect. Well, I appreciate you saying that, and likewise, I'm I'm a man of many, many words. I, I don't hold back. I tell people how it is. I, I let them know my feelings. I wear them on my sleeve, and I've always had respect for you. I, I've never had any issue with uh, you know, thinking that you were somebody that deserved respect. Uh, we did have our issues. I, I think those issues are over with. Uh, you actually did me a huge service helping me with getting my book out there and getting it, you know, to the masses and to the people that, uh, you know, wanted to see it. And I definitely appreciate that. And I think most importantly, I did stand up for myself. I'm, I, again, I'm 125 pounds and five foot eight. And, you know, I was standing face-to-face with Big Zoe, who's over 400 pounds, and when the guy clubs me off the ring apron, he put me almost damn near through the cement floor. He is a big, big guy, and he has sent many, many guys to the hospital that were much bigger than you. So, again, you know, uh, I'm not trying to toot your horn because I'm not that kind of guy, but uh, I will say he is a big guy who has sent, again, many, many guys to the hospital much bigger than you. So for you to be able to take that and – you know, come back and really still say, you know what? Yeah, he knocked me through the concrete, but I'm still believing and I'm still standing up for what I do believe in. So, again, you know, much respect for that because uh, it's not easy standing up to a guy that's 400 pounds and evil, mean, and nasty. No, and you know what's even worse is that, you know, I of course I'm like a little chihuahua. You know, my bark is way bigger than my bite, and I sit up with Frank (laughs) Tank. And it's a good thing that he didn't come at me because if he would have, he would have just sat on me and I'd probably be dead right now. Well, I can tell you this, Frank the Tank and I travel all over the country together. I made the mistake of pissing him off myself one night. And let me tell you, he gave me a rock bottom that I will never forget. I don't think I knew where I was at for days. So uh, he, he's a very, you know, we talk about Big Zoe and Big Zoe's 400 pounds. Well, let me tell you, Frank the Tank is 500 pounds. He has arms bigger than Hulk Hogan. His legs are about the size of most men's waist. This guy is a huge, huge um, competitor. So, again, (laughs) to stand up to a guy like that, you better be a chihuahua because those legs better be able to move. Because if he gets a hold to you, and I know from experience, when he gets a hold to you, he will rock your world, no doubt about it. Yeah, walking past him in the locker room, I was saying to myself in my head, man, I'm glad I just took a piss. 
Yeah. He, uh, you know, it, it, it took uh, about a whole roster of people to keep him from beating up two guys at a Tennessee show that we were at one night. And uh, just because they had disrespected Scott Diamond. So, uh, yeah. You know Frank. What? <laughs> That's right, man. You fucked Hey, no, man. Oh, hey, you know, you can do all. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Who is, oh, oh, I know that voice. Do we? Do we have a caller, Frenzilla? Hello. Well, I heard him. Is he? Are you there? Oh, oh, geez, Andrew. How you doing, Mister Diamond? Well, Andrew, I'm sitting here in the office. I'm a little uh, worse for wear, you know. Uh, Woke up with a little virus this morning, but you know it's not going to slow me down. It's not going to stop me. How you doing tonight, Andrew? You hear that music, Scott Diamond? Yes, sir, I do. You know what that is, don't you? What is that? A <laughs> celebration? Did you change your gym socks today? Oh, it's the uh, uh, Dolph Ziggler. Dolph Ziggler. <laughs> Dolph Ziggler. Isn't that the guy's name that makes cotton candy down at the carnival? Because I know pink's his color. Well, I just, I just want to look, call Andrew. If you just called, if you just called, riled me up. Now Scott Diamond's trying to be nice tonight, but if you called, <laughs> riled me up, Andrew, you know I will get out of here in my car and I will drive to Lexington and hunt you down. You don't know where I live. Well, I tell you, it wouldn't take me long. Because I'm sure that I am not the only guy that you get under their skin. I could probably go down to Third Street, and everybody down on Third Street could tell me where Andrew Browning lives. Well, all I can say is that I can't wait to see you back on April 12th at UWF, Mr. Diamond. And I'm going to wear my T-shirt just for you that day. Drew, if you wear that Dolph Ziggler shirt, let me tell you, I'm going to have words for you. Well, Andrew, uh, he, he's been talking to me for the past few days because when I found out, well, actually when I told him that you were going to be joining us, uh, he really, really wanted to bust your ball with that Ziggler song. So, uh, yeah, Andrew, uh, thank you for calling in, buddy. Uh, I will, of course, have you on next week for our big 75th broadcast. So uh, definitely tune in for that. Uh, you know, really quickly, because uh, we're almost out of time here, um, we're going to be doing a, sh- a short show today. Um, I did want to also mention that uh, I, I'm sure I already mentioned it, but just in case I didn't, because I'm forgetful right now, starting next week with our 75th broadcast, we will be part of the Offshoot Network. Uh, you can check us out on Podbean. We're going to be available on iTunes, Stitcher, and a whole bunch of other things. And I believe right now uh, we have the man behind all of that with us. Uh, are you there, my friend? That would be me. Uh, how you doing, my friend? Uh, did you want to really quickly just uh, talk about the Offshoot Network? Yeah, um, you'll be able to catch the CAC show on the offshoots. Uh, um, you guys will be recording the show at uh, y'all's convenience. Obviously, there's no time or there's no uh, there's no schedule there yet. But uh, as soon as we get the uh, shows up and going, everything will be posted on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher, Podbay, Player FM. It's a bit, it's, it's going to be a bigger audience for the uh, CAC show. That's for sure. And we're looking forward to it. You know, it, it, it's sad to be moving on from blog talk, but, you know, we've had a lot of issues that just, you know, are, are totally unacceptable to be dealing with at this point after almost two years of service. It just seems like a, the natural fit. So uh, we're, we're definitely excited about that. And, uh, you know, before we end the show today, I want to thank you for that opportunity, of course. 
I also want to uh, do a little shout out for Blog Talk for having us and uh, letting us host our show here for almost two years. Uh, Mr. Diamond, I want to thank you for joining us, of course, and for your very, uh, very kind words. I, I have to say it's, it's pretty relieving to know that we can put those things behind us and maybe, uh, you know, I can come down there and check out what you're doing uh, down in, uh, I believe it's in Kentucky, correct? Yes, Friendzilla. Um, you know, I want to thank you as well for having me on your show. You know, you get out to a lot of people each week, and, and it's a privilege to be on your show. Um, but I'd like to invite yourself or any of your listeners. I just took over Wildcat Championship Wrestling in Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. And uh, as Friendzilla said, I've been doing this a long time, so I'm going to have a good program here, a lot of action, a lot of things for the kids, family fun orientated. Come on out and see us every Saturday night at 8 p.m. And, again, thank you for having me, Frenzilla. Uh, always a pleasure, my friend. And uh, thank you again for joining us. Of course, if you guys want to check out Mr. Diamond, he is on Facebook as well as the Diamond Cartel Boosters. You can also check them out. They're all huge fans of the Diamond Cartel and Mr. Diamond himself. Uh, you can also check out the Basement Fodder podcast, which is available on – is that also available on iTunes and Stitcher, Todd? It's available on iTunes and also uh, through our Podcast Garden site, which is, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, podcastgarden.com slash podcast slash basement fodder. And we're also on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash basement fodder. Yep. Make sure you guys get a, If you get a chance, go on, like their page, show them some support. They're good friends of ours. They do a great podcast. I listened to their last, uh, I think, 12 shows that you've done. I've I've listened to all of them and, of course, you know, I love the one you did with Michelle and Crystal because you guys name-dropped me, which was great because you made a whole bunch of nice lies about me. Uh, and, you know, of course, you tooting my horn. I'm going to love it. So That was a lot of fun, and I really appreciate you having me on the show. It was a pleasure, and I thank you all for joining us. Thanks to everybody who's listened to the CAC show here on Blog Talk Radio. Again, don't forget, next week we will be joining the Offshoots Network, and we will be doing our first show with them, Issue, or I'm sorry, Episode 75. And we will be putting out a little bit more information on Facebook and on Twitter. So thanks, everybody, for joining us. And we will talk to you all next week. See ya.